The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In an effort to make degree courses in areas like nursing and business, computer science and engineering more accessible, new programmes where no CAO points are needed will be introduced across Ireland. Now, to take us through the plans for the rollout of these courses, I'm joined now by the Further and Higher Education Minister, uh, Simon Harris, who's also Minister for Justice at the moment. Uh, Good morning and welcome, Minister. Good morning, Pat. Thank you for having now, me on. Uh, the idea of this is that you may have a disaster in your leaving cert and uh, you don't know what to do. And uh, there are these post-leaving cert courses that people go on in an attempt maybe to to, to get some sort of qualification to their name. Uh, tell me how this new system is going to work. Yeah, that's exactly right, Pat. I mean, up until now, we have a situation where young people in school who can do well in the leaving search get points and go off to university. And that works for many people. But we can also have people who don't necessarily do as well in a rote exam or for whatever reason have a bad day in the exam or, or indeed want to return to education uh, later in life. And up until now, I don't believe we've had enough alternative pathways outside the point system. So what I've announced yesterday at the TUI Congress, and we would have spoken about this previously on your programme, is that from September, we're going to put a number of programmes in place where you can start a degree programme in a college of further education. So you apply to that college, just like you would to do a post-leaving cert course now. You get interviewed, you get accepted onto the course, and subject to you actually passing that course and going well, you get to then finish your degree in the local higher education college. So a real practical example of that, and probably the best example is nursing, where you will be able from September to apply to do to start a nursing degree in a college of further education in Letterkenny or Castlebar or Sligo, do well in that year, pass the year, you will then be guaranteed a degree place uh, in the Atlantic Technological mm. University. Now, uh, can you explain to me the regional nature of this? Because obviously the demand for nursing would be countrywide. Um, so why just one particular region of the country offering this possibility? The truthful answer is because we're only starting. So this September is about proof of concept. And what we did uh, at very quick speed, I suppose, was we asked local universities and local colleges of further education, what could you do in this space in terms of co-designing programs between further education and higher education? Uh, And 14 programs arose from that uh, in different parts of the country. So some in the Technological University of the Shannon, some in ATU, some in Kildare Wicklow, Mm. some in Leash Offaly. But what we will be doing, and some in Cork, actually, but what we will be doing now is building on that for the years ahead. So I very much see this as a start and we've now established a new national tertiary office to look at how you can roll out this model. Okay. So this is not about replacing the CAO, it's not about replacing the point system, it is about providing an alternative pathway alongside that. Yeah. Now, is it in effect like a, a like a pre-med might be seen in medicine that you're kind of getting ready to do your real medical studies? Is this like a in nursing, is it a pre-nursing year and you still do the full nursing uh, syllabus when you get to the college? For nursing, that will be the case. Now, the programme will be co-designed. So what you do in the College of Further Education and Training will be co-designed with the university. So the university and the Further Education College will be aligned on the programme. Um, the difference between what I'm proposing now and what has happened up until this point is, up until this point, people have done a nursing post-leaving cert course a very, very small number of them have gotten onto university programmes in Ireland then, but quite frankly, the majority of them have had to leave the country to complete their degree. I think that's indefensible, and it also means we end up producing nurses to staff the British Health Service instead of our own. And I've met those students. I remember meeting a group of them in Sligo. They got the best marks possible 
in the pre-nursing course and they still couldn't get a place in the, mm. in the university in Sligo. So that's what we're trying to change. So this is a guaranteed place if you do well in them. And in terms of, you know, marking the exams and so on, will the, uh, the third level institutions have a role in that to make sure that the quality of student they're getting is up to the task? Yes, and that's a very important point because this is not any sort of kind of um, reducing of educational attainment, far from it. So all of these programs will be approved by the academic councils of the university. So the criteria, the exam set, the marking schemes, all will be co-designed and will obviously have to meet the same academic standards as the university. Now, the point system is cruel because it's based on the concept of supply and demand. Uh, If there are a few places available on a course, then the points are ridiculously high. So you have people, you know, getting 570 points to do a course that someone who could, you know, quite happily get through on 300 points. But that's the nature of supply and demand. So, So this is going to get around that a little bit. Yeah, and look, I mean, to be honest, we're constantly growing the size of the university sector. And last year, we saw points stabilise and actually fall for a lot of courses. We'll, we'll announce more extra college places in key areas for this September, particularly in the area of medicine, where there's been high points. We're seeing very significant expansion, 60 extra medicine places last year, 60 more this year. So we can do quite a lot on that side. But even if we did everything on that side, it still doesn't get around the way. It still doesn't get away from the difficulty that at the moment, people are being assessed for their suitability for a third level course based on the Leaving Cert exam. That doesn't encompass everybody who'd actually be a good professional in certain areas. So it's about making sure that you're not missing out on somebody who could be passionate uh, about computer science and could be really good in it, but actually doesn't do as well in in a, in a Rhode Irish or English exam, but does have plenty of ability. So it's, it's recognising that people come, people learn in different ways and people come to third level in different ways. And quite frankly, I think sometimes so much of the conversation about leaving cert reform is actually, is, is kind of missing the point actually, because one of the issues we need to reform isn't just the leaving cert, it's actually pathways after school. Um, and that's what I'm trying to fix. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are third level courses that insist on a portfolio of the mm-hmm. NCAD, for example, architecture in the, the Technical University of Dublin, TUD. So the, 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 that mechanism already exists. But I'm always surprised that people who want to do medicine, for example, bent on becoming a GP or even a, a consultant, that, um, you know, their human empathy is not examined before they get to college. Well, look, that may be a broader issue, but I mean, I, I do, I do but think. But you know what I mean? That, that the, there, there are yeah. people like veterinary, for example, people going off to, to Budapest to do veterinary. Uh, and that, you know, is a big effort to do that. And they do it because that's really what they want to do. And I'd prefer to have people who really want to do something doing it in college rather than those who are doing it because they got the points. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, that's a really good summary of actually what we're, try- what we're trying to fix here, um, which is to make sure that the people who are absolutely passionate, and we all know them, and I, I've seen them, I've been in 80 secondary schools over the last 12 months, you know, students who have a very clear understanding of what makes them tick, of what will motivate them to get out of bed on a, on a rainy winter morning, uh, the difference they want to make in the world. And I do think we have an obligation to make sure that our third level system is flexible and agile enough to provide different pathways in. I, I mean, the other thing we're going to have to get very real about very quickly 
is the profile of a student is going to change. Like nearly every conversation, probably you and I even have about students, is presuming that the student is just somebody leaving school. More and more the people who will be looking to access third level might be people returning to the workplace after maybe taking time off to rear a family or look after an older relative. And there'll be people looking to perhaps change careers. There'll be people looking to upskill and reskill because of changing technologies. And that's, that's, again, another important point why the system can't just be linked to how many points did you get in the leaving cert. It has to be more responsive than that. Now, as um, Minister for Higher and Further Education, but also as Minister for Justice, I'm sure um, you were as shocked as everyone else was by that tragedy in Galway where two very young teenagers lost their lives. I was indeed. And, and like I think everybody in this country, um, our thoughts are with the family of Kirsty and Lucas um, they're also with the families and the, the, the young man and woman who are still in hospital today and, and all of the school community in presentation and all of Hedford and the surrounding areas I mean this has really been a, a moment of, of numbness um, and great grief for particularly that part of the country but I think everybody in Ireland has been shocked and, and I'm conscious as Minister for Justice I'm conscious that you know, lots of people will will make comment in relation to this matter. I mean, the most important thing people need to do at the moment is uh, allow families grieve, allow a community grieve, um, and send our hopes and our prayers and our thoughts to, to those two young people still in hospital as well. Um, this is extraordinarily, mm. extraordinarily tragic and devastating. Yeah, and obviously, um, subsequent to all of this, uh, the, the, the mourning and uh, the burial ceremonies and so on, the Gardaí will still have uh, a job to do. And, you know, the possibility of averting any such incidents in the future might be remote, but we can but do our best. That's right. And look, I'm very confident that the Gardaí will carry out their uh, their work in their usual diligent and sensitive way. Um, but at right now, I think it's about, um, you know, it's, it's about grieving and it's about a community dealing with a very, very difficult and painful tragedy. And it's about families who've experienced unimaginable loss. And of course, the Gardaí, separate and distinct to that, but, but conscious of it, uh, will do their own work. Now, uh, one final uh, point, Minister, it's a story I saw this morning, I think, on the website of the Times of London, and it's about the UK being concerned that Chinese spies can access the UK using visas that they got in uh, third countries. And it didn't suggest uh, in the piece I read that necessarily it was Ireland, but we might be included in that facilitation of access. Well, I'm not aware of any particular concerns expressed by, by the UK government or, any, or anyone else in that regard. But I am obviously very conscious, as you know, and have made a number of uh, steps and decisions in relation to our own uh, immigrant investor program um, for a variety of reasons, but primarily the idea that some schemes that were put in place in the past, not just in Ireland, but in many, many countries across the EU and beyond, um, have served their purpose, have served their time, um, and no longer uh, in my view, have an appropriate role to play in terms of new applications. And uh, that's why I made a decision to shut down the immigrant um, investor program to any new applications. And that was very much following, uh, I think, clear advices and commentary from the EU Commission, the Council of Europe, the OECD. And, and I, I kind of note with interest that since I made that decision here in Ireland, um, a number of other countries in the European Union have made very similar decisions in recent weeks. Um, you made it very quickly. I mean, it was uh, announced on a Monday, and I think 48 hours later, the scheme was completely closed. Mm. Um, was there a particular reason uh, for the, the precipitate nature of your decision? Had you become aware of abuse? 
I was certainly aware, and, and I obviously don't comment much on security issues, but I, but I, I am aware of the fact that a scheme that was set up for a specific purpose, um, and I looked back indeed at the, the press releases and the statements at the time when the scheme was opened, and it talked about this being a scheme for you know, Irish-American investment, for Irish diaspora. It talked about it being a scheme for job creation. And indeed, it was a scheme put in place at a time when, let's be honest, the IMF were in town, right? And I was looking at the composition of the scheme in the years since then had, had pretty radically changed. Um, you saw a very significant concentration of applications from one country. You saw... Uh, many, many schemes that were worthy in their in their communities, don't get me wrong, in any manner or means, but very few were linked to employment. And and I was also conscious that there were a lot of applications on hand that still need to go through the processing system. So the decision I made, I think, was a balanced one, which was that we would continue to process and risk assess and evaluate any applications that come that were already in the system, but that we would stop with a, with a pretty much immediate effect, taking new applications. Uh, and I felt that was the the best way. But I was very conscious in making the decision, or indeed in recommending to government that we make the decision, the the shifting international reality in relation to this, and like I say, international commentary around the appropriateness of schemes, not not just Irish schemes, but more generally. We saw in the UK there was abuse of the schemes over there, uh, where people were putting in money and immediately getting it back out again. Were you aware of any such use of, you know, the same amount of money for multiple applications happening in Ireland? That certainly wasn't brought to my attention and that wasn't that wasn't the rationale behind my decision so my decision was grounded in advice from from officials and others that the the scheme had had served its purpose if you like i mean this is a scheme that i think saw about 1.2 billion euro worth of investment um in the best part of a decade and um, there's no doubt there's many projects in the country uh, that benefited uh, from this scheme and it was funding that was provided at a time when again quite frankly the state wasn't in a position uh, to provide a lot of that funding but you do get to a point where not necessarily an individual risk around any one project but a broader strategic national risk mm. i think to an overdependence on one scheme with a lot of funding coming from from one or two countries now, uh, the the last point, I suppose, very contemporary uh, a point about the costs of the Biden visit in terms of overtime. I've never seen so many Garthi on the streets. <laughs> in fact, yes. as I was driving in this morning and yesterday morning, I'm wondering, where are they normally? There's so many of them. They were everywhere. Well, look, I've been talking to many Garthi as I've gone about my own business in recent days. And I, and I want to begin by thanking them because annual leave has been cancelled. Many have given up their rest days, uh, many whom I'm sure had plans with their own family for the Easter period had those plans uh, halted. And I want to thank them for, for doing that uh, and for stepping up as the Guardi always do uh, when, our country, when our country needs them. So it's very clear there's a very significant uh, policing and security operation underway across our country, with a particular focus, obviously, on the parts of the country that President Biden uh, will visit in the coming hours, obviously Laos. Uh, Dublin um, and Mayo. There will, of course, be significant costs associated with this. We don't know them yet. They won't crystallise um, yet. But to be honest, those costs, I think, will pale into insignificance with the benefit of the visit, both the benefit to what I hope is continuing to embed peace on our island, but also, indeed, the economic benefit, the tourism benefit, the profile benefit uh, that a US presidential visit brings. All right. Value for money, in other words. Uh, very much so. All right. And Minister Simon Harris, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.